Welcome back to Bringing Down the House, a podcast of Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity. I'm Allie Parrish, Executive Director of Iowa Heartland Habitat. And today on episode seven of season two, Building Community, Jacqueline and I will be featuring our partnership with the Northeast Iowa Area Agency on Aging, or NEI3A. We will be spending time visiting with NEI3A Deputy Director, Greg Zars, about their work to empower older individuals in our community to age with dignity and independence. We will also explore Iowa Heartland Habitat's new partnership with NEI3A, making a huge impact. Thank you for tuning in and please join our local mission by volunteering your time or making a financial or materials donation. More information can be found on our website at webuildhabitat.org or by following Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to Bringing Down the House. I am Jacqueline Madison, joined alongside my wonderful, beautiful, urban co-host, <laughs> the beautiful, talented, <laughs> Allie Parrish, who's the executive director of the <laughs> Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is like starting very well. You, you already have to now tell them why you're being so ridiculous right get, off the bat I'm today. I'm going to fired. By this. this is my last podcast for sure. Oh my gosh. So, okay, I mean, you so, tell them what you just called me like what? earlier was not urban. Called, yeah, I did call you urban. <laughs> well, you called, not you did not. Okay, so here's a quick, quick, quick rundown. <laughs> Okay, so we were talking about, like, names and all these mm-hmm. things and blah, 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 blah. And uh, our guest today, like, him and I were talking about how, like, we have different, like, names when we order because mm-hmm. sometimes our names are complicated. And Allie was like, well, yeah, then, you know, sometimes people pronounce my name differently and all this stuff. And so all <laughs> I said was that years ago when I was first asked to join this board, I received an email. Um, and it was basically, like, me asking to apply. And, blah, blah, blah. and they're like, wonderful, we're going to meet with our executive director and when i saw the name okay and again you know ladies let's first off back up here you know yes i understand you know definition of stereotypes and and misconceptions and all Mm -hmm. of that so unfortunately i assumed when i saw ali parish that it was maybe not pronounced ali parish but maybe pronounced with a different type of flair i'm not gonna say anything that's gonna get me canceled right but it may not do that Right. But so I was so and here's the thing. I was actually really happy because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, how wonderful that we have uh, this this person that is possibly from a, a different culture or yes. a different nation representing uh, this organization as the executive director. Like, I was super happy. So cool. And I was like, this is going to be great. Like, I'm so excited to meet her. And so then by the morning <laughs> of that meeting, and this is what I, I'll say. I will say what I said verbatim. Yes, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of meeting this this like person from like a different nation, in walks this suburban white woman. <laughs> and I was so offended. Because <laughs> I said, well, for the love of Pete, call me urban if you're going to call me anything. Yes, urban. Sorry. It walks this urban white woman. But no, no. She is outstanding. Gosh. She is wonderful. 
and <laughs> Allie, you know, I, I you know, a few months ago, I didn't even know what a Karen quote unquote was, fair. but that's what he just called me, y'all. I mean, he in, called in, me that, in, 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 in a very roundabout way. <laughs> I'm very oh. sorry to d- disappoint you that I was a very urban. <laughs> Plain Jane white woman that came. But Allie, can I say can I say this though? Yes. In my entire time of knowing you and being affiliated with this organization, you have been outstanding. Thanks. As an executive director, Thank so you. even though you are not from a different nation, <laughs> and we, you know, I, you were not what I pictured in my head. Yes. You have exceeded every. Every last bit of standard that I've ever thought about. So thank so you. So have you, sir, but maybe in a different way. <laughs> if that is, ladies and gentlemen, that is the definition of a backhanded compliment if I have ever heard one. Oh, you know man. I love you, buddy. You I, love I love you too, you. Allie. Yes. Well, let's let's get this show on the road because we got a lot to talk about today. All right. Uh, but before we go any further, let's start with our mission moment, shall we? Yeah. I was walking through the Walnut neighborhood filming a video for our upcoming Builder Circle breakfast and I ran into a resident that was tilling up the corner of Almond in Iowa. I knew that one of the microgrant recipients was going to be planting flowers in the corners of the neighborhood, but I didn't know that they were going to get other neighbors involved with the project. Upon talking to the resident that was tilling up the soil, he was extremely proud to be able to do his part in beautifying the Walnut neighborhood. In our mission, we talk about building community, and this is truly bringing neighbors together to be inspired by one another and improve the places that they live. First off, uh, so fun, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you, if that, you're story. like that voice sounds so familiar. I know. Uh, Who yes, is that? it was me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it was our lovely producer, Nora. Yay! There we go. Uh, uh, yes. But first off, I love this micro grant. Me too. This is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is bringing the community together in projects like this, I, I love that. Yeah, it's been so fun to see what ideas people come up with to do that just helps their neighborhood, you know, and this idea how if you, you know, hand someone an opportunity to have, you know, up to $500, what cool ideas people can come up with and, and bringing neighbors together and doing something positive in their community and their neighborhood in particular. Yeah. And when you think about it on paper, you're like $500, really? What is that going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've had, I mean, we've all had quotes on our house that yeah. exceeds $500, but when you think, you know, it's more than the $500. It's, Okay, yeah, we have $500. We can plant some flowers here. But think of all the people that can get involved. And now I've met these neighbors that I've never talked to before. We're building that community. We're building that uh, that just a, a better quality of life in our own neighborhood. I love stuff like that. I do too. And That's- as you drive through the neighborhood over there, like you really can't miss the beautiful touches like that that mm-hmm. are throughout. I mean, like it, what a, a difference marigolds on a corner make you know or what have you um when it's replicated especially throughout the neighborhood it's just it's like yeah there's something different here it's cool Mm -hmm. you gotta love stuff like that so we thank you nora so very much for uh your mission moment today and you know we talk about quality of life ali that's such a big deal huge it it, it is a big deal and and quality of life is important uh in in all stages of your life but our guest today uh that's kind of like their biggest thing is focusing on quality of life and and I'm really excited to, to welcome our guests. Matter of fact, we'll just bring them in right now. Let's shall do we? it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our outstanding guest. Uh, he is the deputy director of, now, listen closely here. <laughs> 
Northeast <laughs> Iowa Area Agency on Aging. I'll say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> Northeast Iowa Area Agency on Aging. How'd I do, Greg? Great. Wonderful. Perfect. Ladies yep. and gentlemen, awesome. please welcome Greg Zars to the podcast. Hey, well, thank, thank you for having me very much. So. Yeah, we're excited Listen to have you here. Voice. I know. Hey. You're, Listen, you're always intimidated we, by the voices. I really am. <laughs> I sound like a teenage child, Allie. And then you get people that are like, hello, my name is Greg. <laughs> and I'm the deputy director. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just the title sounds big. It's really not. I think all that, all that big. That, that'd give me something. There you, know, you go. Now, there you go. Now, Greg, first off, uh, before we move forward here, now, Northeast Iowa Area Agency on Aging, that's a big title, but it's also referred to as NEI3A. Yep, NEI3A. Um, for this area, where uh, Habitat serves here, Heartland Habitat. Years ago, when I first started, we were called Hawkeye Valley Area Agency on Aging. So if you ever hear HVAAA, okay. you'll still hear some of the legacy names. We have the Northland Area Agency on Aging up mm. north, and then uh, Scenic Valley in the Dubuque area that have merged about... Eight years ago now. Oh wow! So, but nice. you'll still hear Hawkeye Valley now and then around this area. I remember when it was Hawkeye Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, actually. So. I actually didn't know about all those mm-hmm. different areas. Yeah, so that's kind of oh. cool. Yeah. Well, just for our just for our listeners, if you hear us say just in casual conversation, NEI three A, we're referring to the the area agency on aging. So yeah. I just wanted to to make that known. But Greg, first of all, just kind of give us a background on what NEI three A is. Sure. The real. A short version is is helping older individuals and their caregivers and families, and in some places, people with with disabilities to remain independent in the setting of their choice as long as possible, as long as it makes sense for everybody. And so we do that in a variety of ways. I think a lot of what we do that stands apart from a lot of other places is just some one-on-one assistance with things. So it might be finding providers for homemakers or respite services or it might be a little more in depth and really like looking, you know, we'll get calls a lot, for example, a family member, their father or mother's coming from the hospital home, you know, being discharged. And this person's like, I mean, I have kids at home. There's no way I can care for this person. I don't know where to begin, help. Mm. And so we can do some assistance, maybe um, if some application assistance for funds, we can do things like that. We can help them. Perhaps what we're best known for is Meals on Wheels, getting some like fresh nutrition daily to their home and a volunteer seeing them every day. We can help with some transportation to and from hospital or doctor's appointments, things like that. And then we also even have some longer term things, case management, right, where we can kind of be talking to the, every, the person monthly and see how they're doing. That's a big piece. Um, the nutrition stuff, as I mentioned, Meals on Wheels. Usually people don't know NEI3A. If I say Meals on Wheels, it immediately clicks. Sure, I know what that is. People Absolutely. know what that is. And then a lot of classes, evidence-based health promotion, which again is very like government-funded language for education classes, mm-hmm. right? Helping people live with you know maybe some chronic disease, lots of fall prevention. We do that. It's a very common trend we'll see in the people we serve is usually they get to a point where they're living alone. And then usually within a year they fall. And then within another year they are then in an institution. Mm. It's a very common trend, so we really focus in on that fall prevention piece because that's important for us to keep keep people uh, in their home and independent. The other real big piece we do is, is assisting caregivers. So we realize that we just can't do it all. We don't have funding to do it all. And frankly, I mean, if you look around like the world and sort of just history, family caregiving has been going on since time immemorial. So how can we help those people, especially 
you know, in these days, most family caregivers are working, have families of their own, trying to navigate that world and that life. So we provide support groups, we provide counseling, again, access assistance to assist them with their loved one, again, if it's, you know, Medicaid applications, other types of assistance. And then we also have some money available for some respite. So you know, get, get someone in there to kind of watch mom and dad or, or their spouse so that they have some time to whatever they need to do to unwind because it's an incredibly challenging, taxing, maybe rewarding, but difficult job to be mm. family caregiver. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a difficult Absolutely. job. So, I mean, really, you're, the whole point of it, if, if, they're, if I am able to summarize everything, is you're really about building them up and mm. offering them that support so that they don't have to necessarily go into some long-term care facility, but they can remain independent in their own home. Exactly, yep, in their community. Um, as long as long as it makes sense for everybody. I mean, we realize there's absolutely a continuum of care, mm-hmm. and we just want to fit in on that. We can survey people, and it comes back again and again. People want to be in their own homes. I mean, no doubt about it. And so whatever we can do to assist that, we'll do. That's amazing, and, and you think about, like, to back to what you said, Jacqueline, too, and thinking of quality of life. And I think this all, everything you were saying when you were talking, I was like, gosh, this just falls into that category all the time of, of taking things for granted when you're yeah. fine and when things are good or you're healthy and your folks are healthy or whatever mm-hmm. it is and just how quickly that can change and what an asset to our community that an organization like this is and to so many other communities um, when folks don't know where else to turn and don't know what else to do. But one thing I was kind of curious too, is as you were talking, can anyone reach out to you for services or do you work with a specific income population mm-hmm. or age range? Most of our services serve people 60 and older. Okay. Of course, caregivers, it's, it's any age. And then some of our programs do assist people that are adults, but have some sort of impairment, mobility impairment, something like that. For example, uh, what we'll be talking about here with the Housing Trust Fund, that we can serve people under the age of 60. Generally, yeah, the the, the rules are, are age 60 and over. And as far as income, that kind of varies depending on program. We're primarily like federal and state funded. So many of our programs, we're, we cannot means test. So then we generally kind of focus on prioritizing where to promote the programs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we can help people. But when I talked earlier about the uh, information and count, like options counseling, we'll help pretty much anybody who needs that type of support. Wow. And and they can call. We have a statewide referral line. It's called Lifelong Links. You can call 866-468-7887 and, and they'll, get a informa- they'll get a social worker on the line that can assist them with at a minimum, just where to start. Again, if they're looking for mom needs help, she can't do laundry. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. these, to your point, these little things you don't think about till you can't do them. And um, we can get them some, some referral there. I'm interested because this is such like a service space, you know, mm-hmm. like we're helping you and we're providing you these resources. How did all of this work during the pandemic? Mm. Sure. How, do, how were you able to navigate these things? Yeah, it was for everybody a huge challenge because I said earlier that falls are a huge reason people end up losing their independence. I would say the number two one is isolation and loneliness. So we really thought long and hard about, and then of course everybody's working from home, right? So we thought about what's that core nucleus of stuff that has to happen. And we said, we gotta continue meals, have to continue meals. We had to go to, um, we'd usually send like hot meals daily, five days a week for, for most of the folks. We had to do that frozen once a week because volunteer issues started cropping up and then just overall safety exposure stuff we didn't you know is it really good for these 
for the consumers to have somebody there every day. And you're in, I mean, and you are, and not to cut you off, but huh? you're dealing with people that are that high risk. Exactly. You know, yeah. well, that's all we were talking about, you know, like this mm-hmm. age group, this age group, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. that is your direct clientele. Exactly, yeah. So we were pretty sensitive to that. So we said, all right, we got to get meals continued. That has to happen because at this point, everybody's homebound. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not even that whole def. We have this whole definition for Meals on Wheels, you know, to be homebound. I mean, we just threw it out the window. Right. I mean, wow. They want them. They want them. And then to really keep that information referral line open just for what's going on. And then I think um, the other piece in a lot of organizations, the local coordination, I mean, just really went, just really turned that knob up. So we're talking more to transit lines. We're talking more to, you know, our other provider networks, talking to public health, you know, how can we assist and what can we do to help them? And that was a big piece of it too. So those were the big things. The one sort of new piece we introduced to assist with isolation was we wrote a contract contract with a company called GrandPad and they basically make these tablets that are it's a fancy Android tablet but much better suited for an older person um, you know it, it charges on a dock instead of having to plug it in again little things you take for granted very large easy to read buttons very loud speakers mm. um, my wife's grandfather has one and I mean the, the dude does not hear a lot you know he does <laughs> not hear well but so he likes that the most because he can hear people um, yeah. when you video chat on it and stuff like that so we did that to help keep caregivers connected to their loved ones because looking back you know a year a little more than a year ago I mean we were apart you know from people so it was important to see what we could do there and assist so that's been pretty popular the people that have those really like using them kind of these closed social networks they can post pictures to each other things like that it's been really popular so those that's most of how we've handled the pandemic and then gosh I guess from my my seat like administrative seat there's a lot of like extra funding that came to us through the federal you know bills and stuff like that and then just trying to figure out ways to best support people without getting to a cliff at the end of it all and figuring out that we're you know taking things away at the end that's about the worst thing I can do oh yeah so yeah that's awesome I mean when you think about that isolation piece I I remember you know some friends that do meals on wheels Mm -hmm. and do the volunteering for that and just the stories that I heard personally of they really had to set aside the time to do it because they knew they'd be walking into a you know a pretty lengthy conversation (laughs) because these people are so you know they're so lonely Mm -hmm. and they are that isolation is huge and just the service of providing that meal sitting down dialoguing for a minute or standing but between the window or whatever mm-hmm. but just the opportunity even in normal times yeah to have that connection point that connectedness is so important in our society but you really feel it when you see folks like that that don't have a choice yeah you know, but to be there they're homebound or what have you yeah one other thing we did is like all of our meals on wheels consumers or participants we we started calling them all weekly which mm. we wouldn't do in the past and my mom graciously offered to call i'm from denver iowa and um my mom graciously said, well I'll, I'll call the people at the in the denver meal site there's eight there's eight women and they were really really chatty with her <laughs> on the phone every week and they would always you know want to ask her about the others because they knew they were all talking so it was really yeah and it's one of those things that you know we can't count those widgets against our federal funding and things but it was really meaningful for the people that that received those calls absolutely yeah yeah that's really really cool you know i think about that independence piece and what would you say like again thinking of things that we take for granted why is it so important for a person to maintain that independence. Yeah, I, I just think that connectedness to your community, um, to, to not be able to walk out to your mailbox, yeah. get the mail. I mean, 
to not be able to go to church, Mm -hmm. um, attend a high school ball game or play. Um, That's all part of living in the community over and above just, you know, being in your home, shopping for groceries and seeing people in your neighborhood and things like that. It's part of living our lives here. We run into this sometimes with the services we provide. We're assisting somebody and we're getting it together and we put a plan for them that, yep, we can keep, you know, help you stay in your home with some bus tickets and some services. And then they just get bored though. Mm. And so then that's that's just a, a big piece where sometimes like in assisted living or some of those facilities offer some better, you know, some some easier options. So mm-hmm. that's where we're looking is like, well, what can we do then if people are living in their communities, want to be in their communities? How can we continue that so that they can stay in their home around their neighbors, those yeah. little things? Absolutely. That sense of pride, too, I would imagine, mm-hmm. if you are able to be more independent, I'm sure is huge. We oftentimes th- talk about building hope. Kind of what you're talking to, too, is just maintaining hope. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, just yep. just keeping the hope yeah. going for a family that or a person, you know, mm-hmm. that might be on the edge or right. what have you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, Greg, let me ask you, this. you know, when you talk about you know, having individuals maintain being vital members of their community, what does that truthfully look like? And your organization? I would say you know, I mean, a vital member of a community is, is, again, being able to live in their own home, manage their own money, you know, mm-hmm. just be able to make the choices they want to make and, and not necessarily what we think they should make. You know, yeah. that's a big that's a big thing that we talk about a lot is making sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, participating, you know, being with people. I just I think that's really what it comes down to, frankly. I, I think voting in your local elections Things like that. Yeah. It's much more difficult to do once you once you lose some of that independence. It's just there's more barriers now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that element of I I still have some element of control over my decisions, my life, mm-hmm. what I want to do, where I want to go. I want to go to the park. I have mm-hmm. a choice to do that. I want right. to eat healthy meals. I can do that. I want to go to the store or what have you. Mm-hmm. I think we, again, taken that for granted. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. We work with the food bank to do, in addition to our Meals on Wheels, some folks get like a monthly food box and We've been doing that program for a long time, but I remember when we started, we we would put a bunch of staple items in there, you know, flour and these sorts of things, and it wasn't super popular. And um, we had to learn more about the participants. They're like, look, I'm not gonna roll out bread dough right now. You know, I'm like, I'm 88 <laughs> and living alone. And so, that's so, me. Yeah. Honestly, that's me now. Yeah, I'm like, wait, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I need a couple of noodles or whatever. So, <laughs> so there's more of that, you know, microwave bowl type meals, yeah. peanut mm. butter, things like that. And it, fruit and vegetables, things that are easier to eat. And so, again, taking for granted the ability to, you know, turn on the stove. Yeah. Um, and do something like that and make a, a decent meal is much more difficult when you have arthritis. You maybe have some vision, you know, problems and um, you're not able to see as well. Um, just don't have the same kind of strength and all that. It just really challenges every part of it. And um, or you're depressed. Yeah, get sad. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, what I love I'm hearing is that the the clientele or the recipients of your service are involved in their feedback is important to you as mm-hmm. far as the crafting of the services that you offer or the tweaking of those services, um, that they're an active participant in that. And, and, you know, I think that's something I love about your organization and others that we partner with is that we kind of have that same philosophy Mm -hmm. of involving the people in the process and and being in relationship and how a lot of times that's not always just the case. It's Mm -hmm. so much easier just be like, well, here's what you get, take the box um, and be happy about it and don't complain, you know? And I I, I really think that that's key. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Absolutely. key that you guys are asking those questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how simple 
well, right. yeah, we don't need flour. We're not making cookies and right. rolling out bread dough. We're, yeah. We have trouble getting to the door, whatever, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. like huge. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Allie. I mean, and we've made a concerted effort to have those thoughts of, and especially, I mean, we, we have federal funding and they kind of want us to show, you know, how many meals did you provide? So it's easy to fall in that trap and say, you know what, you get what you get and this is our thing. Mm-hmm. Get, we're giving it to you. So we have all this power mm-hmm. and we can take that away. You know, I hate that mentality. It really needs to be about how are we supporting the people? How are we supporting the communities? And think about that. So we've made a concerted effort to get a lot of feedback from folks and to think more in terms of what are people already doing and how do we support that versus Mm -hmm. saying, oh, look, okay, they want us to serve meals. We'll serve meals. Exactly. That's awesome. It is awesome. Um, Before we go, here's what I want to talk about. This is a a question to both of you. You know, Greg, your organization, not to water it down because you guys Mm -hmm. do so much, but I mean, at at the root of it, your organization is to keep people in their homes as long as possible, as long as feasibly possible. Allie, you know, Habitat is to provide people those Mm -hmm. homes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, both organizations are on like separate ends of of, of, of someone's life. And, you know, like, but, but how do we find this, this, this partnership now all of a sudden here, Mm -hmm. how do we meet in the middle? I mean, whoever wants to speak to that first. <laughs> I, I put them both on the spot. Yeah. Like, oh. um, I can speak a little bit about go for Waterloo it. Housing Trust Fund relationship. Yep. So, and I'm actually fortunate I served the board there. They started up seven or eight years ago. I think they split off from the Regional Housing Trust Fund, but you, you raise some local money and it's matched by the, by the government to assist, uh, improve the housing stock in Waterloo was the primary mission. And so they had three main activities. One was more focused on homelessness and helping people get get some shelter immediately. One was helping people of, of low incomes make repairs, roof mm-hmm. repairs, kind of water heaters, stuff like that. And then the third one was accessibility modifications. Mm-hmm. And we were really interested in that because we don't have a lot of money available for those big material projects mm-hmm. that are absolutely instrumental. I mean, I can get homemaker services to somebody, I can get Meals on Wheels to somebody, but if they don't have hot water, or if they can't do their laundry because it's in the basement, it does. they can't get into their house because we don't have a ramp, it does really no good. And so we were really interested in that, um, really wanted to pursue that, and we started working with Waterloo Housing Trust Fund, and I'm not a social worker by trade, so maybe looking back, the mistake was, well, Greg, you designed the program. And so... Um, <laughs> Don't you love yeah, that? Yeah. I love it. And so I'm like, well, I kind of had this like, we'll make like a, uh, it was sort of this first come first serve, like Apple iPhone program where basically, look, you know, you put, you send anybody from the public and send an application and have three bids from contractors and then like, yeah, we'll fund you. <laughs> and the social workers come to me, they're saying, this is not working. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need to be able to assist people with some of this. So we did that for a few years and, and we did have great outcomes, really quite incredible stories, helping people, like I said, main floor laundry, mm-hmm. hookups, chairlifts up to stairs, some bathroom modifications to assist with that. We did some door widening, did mm-hmm. some ramps because again, they were giving us up to $10,000 per project, which we'd never get that kind of assistance mm-hmm. or funding to, to help people. So, but we were just struggling. We're not in the building business. We're not in the construction business we don't know these this is not the provider network we're used to and then the other thing the money wasn't going that far we we're only serving maybe five to six people a year and so we started talking to habitat mm-hmm. yeah a couple of years ago and that's when like who's not, who's supposed to be in this chair lisa wetzel <laughs> really worked on that yeah. relationship and um 
yeah, kind of got it going. Call her yeah. out. Call her out. <laughs> Lisa, he, it's shots fired. He's calling out. <laughs> no, yeah. And on our end, we've talked about the progression that our Habitat affiliate has made over the years of from single family home ownership exclusively into that, expanding that to critical home repair, to neighborhood revitalization, weatherization. And accessibility, I think, is, is just a natural part of that. Um, some of the families that we were starting to work with on critical home repairs in our target neighborhoods uh, certainly had expressed you know needs such as that and we had actually worked with a gentleman on a ramp and on some he was in wheelchair bound and some of those some of those improvements and modifications so um i think on our end they they did approach us i think mm-hmm. you, you guys approached us and said hey what about a partnership and we love partnership and 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 we also get a lot of inquiries you know about those kinds of needs and we weren't we didn't have the funding specifically for that you know so it was just a perfect opportunity where you guys had a little bit of funding or access to different kinds of funding for these kinds of things. We had the ability to, and growing ability to, to jump in and maybe partner on on the projects and had a whole volunteer base and some staff and all of that kind of, that that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like a great opportunity to just start to work together. And we're serving about twice as many people now mm-hmm. than we were prior. Yeah. We're doing about six people a year. I just looked 20 and, and last year we did 13. So it's yeah. working. So it's been cool. What a great partnership. Yeah. What a great partnership. Two great organizations led by two great people. <laughs> Look at that. They paid me to say that. Oh, though, my right? gosh. If you wondered why I, I struggled. When are you going to lead your own organization, uh, sir? Oh, <laughs> Lord knows we don't need that. The, the uh, last thing I we wanna, need. I, I want to see that. I do too, right? <laughs> Here's like, the thing. I mean, Here's we the thing. want like a chair with some popcorn. Yeah, I was going to say, like Greg didn't say he, he was going to be successful. <laughs> Greg just said, I want to see that because he knows it's going to crash <laughs> no. and burn. Greg's like, I want to see no. this dumpster fire up front <laughs> and in person. No, we actually would find it very, like we would find that very fun to watch you do that yeah. amazing work. Oh what? gosh, I paid them. I, I'm, sliding, <laughs> I'm sliding the check across the desk right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well, Greg... Uh, thank you so much for joining us, truthfully, and thank you uh, and your entire organization. I mean, I, I, we talked very briefly, um, but I had the opportunity to meet just a few other staff members from the mm-hmm. organization some years ago, mm-hmm. and was just blown away by the yes. services that mm-hmm. they provide. And it just, it is amazing. So yes. thank you, and so needed, so and very much yes. needed, yes. Yeah. very, very needed. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Greg Zars, the deputy director of Northeast Iowa Area Agency on aging thank you so much but greg don't don't leave just yet <laughs> because we have a little tradition here um where we play a little trivia oh okay are, are you down for that greg absolutely oh wonderful Good. let's jump into this here i'm gonna let you know greg ali cheats sometimes so <laughs> So I make sure you're aware. Okay. He lies too, so I cheat. He lies. <laughs> it's una mentira. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Nora. Hey, Nora. Oh my gosh, it's like we heard you earlier. So weird. How TV? <laughs> sorry, radio. What is this podcast? I don't know. Something. <laughs> it's past my bedtime. I we have like we yeah headphones, microphones, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Call it what you may. Yeah. Nora, what you got for us? According to um, the Social Security Administration, a man reaching the age of 65 today can be expected to live on average until 84.3 years old. What about a woman turning 65 today? How uh, old do you expect her to live? 300. Oh, well, if she's a white suburban woman, it's probably a little... She'll probably live forever. That's fine. (laughs) 
I'll probably die as I walk out this door. Uh, well, I, I I know it's going to be higher than 84.3 yeah. because yeah. men always have higher insurance premiums than women because they don't expect us to live longer, mainly because we're idiots. <laughs> I, I really think that's it. Like, I really truly think it's because we're idiots. You don't listen enough. That's the problem. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Actually, yeah. 84 was better than I was. I was. Guess. I thought it was in the 70s. Yeah. Still. That was, that was, well, I think if you make it to 65, then you're, oh, you go up. I think the actual oh, life expectancy is. That's like, the kicker. Yeah. She's okay. trying to throw us off here. So I would think then, for because yeah, then you you kind of get the idiocy out of there, right? And some of it. Right? Yeah, some Fair. of the people um, that are already gone more by then. Risk taker yeah. type <laughs> Me. people. Um, <laughs> Me and my 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 cheese habits. I, I hope my my heart doctor, my heart doctor's listening right now. He's like, Kalen. We've talked about this. She's so good, though. It oh, is. Yes. Thank you, Zach. Um, <laughs> my wife is super happy. She'll get the best. A charcuterie 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 cake. Yes. Oh, my middle name is Charcuterie. Yeah. <laughs> that was really uncomfortable. That was really uncomfortable. I, know, Ch- I like it. Jacqueline <laughs> um, Charcuterie Madison. Oh, it flows. I mean, yeah, your dog's works. middle name is Maximus. So it is. Theodore Maximus know, Madison. Hi, Teddy. He's not listening, by the way. <laughs> he wants nothing to do with any extracurricular things I have. Unless it's buying him food. Uh, <laughs> All right, so who's taking the first Greg, pass at this? obviously. I would say 88. Dang it, Greg, that's what I... Okay. Oh, always, yeah. I'm going to say 89. I'm going to... Okay, well... I just jumped right in here's there. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. And Nora, it was written down. I'm going to say 88.5. Okay. It was written... Oh was it not? Oh, my gosh. Okay, okay, It was okay. written down. So, so 88.5. 88, 88. 88.5 and 89. 89. Watch it be like... Wow. A, watch it be like 104. <laughs> it is 86.6. Oh. Only two oh. Oh. I thought it he was... He is closest. He yeah. is closest. Well, that, that, but he went be, over, so the price is right. None of us would win the showcase. Nobody gets a showcase. No one gets a showcase. No, we all gets to go home with the showcase. We all leave with the T-shirt and a sticker with their name on it. Yeah, God willing, you hit ten thousand on the wheel ahead of time. I know, you know right? What? Seriously, that's a total sidebar. But we were on vacation this summer and we found a channel that had all these old episodes of The Price Is Right. It was so amazing. Did you even like go out of the hotel no. at that point? I, was I mean, just... we were just we were in an Airbnb and I was like, "This is good. I'll just we'll stay." <laughs> Olympic National Park can wait. Like three hundred dollars a night to watch Prices Right. I love it. But it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it sounds fantastic. Yes, really I watch. Does. I'm not gonna lie. I anytime I travel, I just watch SVU. <laughs> I went to. I we are we are totally sidebar here, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to like, if you want to cut the podcast off, that's totally fine. We're at the end, but I'm still gonna say this. Um, we'll, we'll we'll do we'll do what we call an audio hiccup. If anyone wants to leave, this is your time now. <laughs> But I went to go visit some friends in Illinois, and like you know, it was this big deal, blah blah blah. And I get there, and my friend goes, "Well, you want to watch Law and Order?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> so we spent like hours, like literally, like half a day was just spent watching SVU, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. That is fantastic. So uh, great, great times. I love it. Okay, that's all I'm going to sing. I don't want Dick Wolf to sue us. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Greg, again, thank you uh, so much for joining us. And stop back again, Sean. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Before we sign off today, just one, I want to shout out to Christian Crusaders, the CC podcast. We have not, I keep forgetting, and it's so dumb of me, but like Matt, 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 and and Andrew, and thanks to the team at CC Podcast. They put up with us. They do. We get to record here, and it's super fun, and they do a great, great job, too, and we are grateful. Yeah, they do a great job making us feel at home. I yes. mean, that, that's why we're able to bring you such 
great quality podcast. Yeah. I mean, maybe we aren't the quality of <laughs> but it. But the equipment is. But the equipment of it is great quality. So We uh, have no excuse, right? No, exactly. No, we, 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 yeah, we, well, I have a lot of excuses, Greg. This is obviously your first podcast. This is obviously his first time actually listening to me talk. Or he would know that I have a lot of excuses. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get out of here before the FCC shuts us down. So yep. uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Ja'Kalen Madison. She is Allie Parrish. And we will see you right back here at the same place you found us next time. Take care.